Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a holistic business coach and intuitive healer who supports empaths in creating a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illness as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities that my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on their path to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as a highly sensitive person. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now let's get started. Welcome to today's episode with Kelly Tennant. I absolutely love this woman. It was our first time connecting, but it was just so easy to talk to her and we had so, so much in common. Kelly is the founder and host of Ceremony Wellness, an amazing podcast dedicated to helping women heal deeply, both on a physical and emotional level. And you guys know I am all about both. Through her own 13-year chronic health battle, Kelly left behind her high-profile job as a TV host in LA to teach women how to advocate for themselves, be a resource for alternative medicine options, and a guide to work through trauma and understand the mind-body connection. On today's episode, we talk all about Kelly's journey healing, healing chronic illness like so many of you out there. I know you're going to 
resonate and maybe see yourself in parts of her story. I know I did. We also talk about her major career shift, authenticity, feeling emotions, releasing past stuff, (laughs) sex, shame, liberation. It's juicy. It's good. I know you're going to love it. So let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Kelly. I am so honored to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So we, our listeners here over at Healing Uncensored are are a mix of people who are struggling with chronic illness, who identify as the empath, highly sensitive person, which may have led to chronic illness for them, and a lot of female entrepreneurs as well. And I'd just love to hear more about your story with, with health and wellness and how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So I totally resonate with all of those things and all of those types of people. I I think I fall into basically all of those categories. And I think so many of us that deal with chronic illness and autoimmune issues fall in those categories because so often it seems like we are the go-getters that take care of everyone else that sometimes tend to show up inauthentically because we're trying to be someone in this mindset of perfection Um, and a lack of worthiness that really runs our lives from a very young age oftentimes. And that was really the case for me. I was always the sick kid growing up. I was a perfectionist, total control freak, dealt with a lot of anxiety, tried to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders, never really showed a ton of emotion. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to be that pillar of strength. And I always excelled because of that. And was very good at volleyball, was the tallest, was the smartest in the room, was the most mature, um, all of those things. But what happened when I was 19 is when I was 17, I had mono. And I didn't realize that that sort of led to when I was 19, my whole body shut down. And I was playing volleyball at USC. And I was in the best shape of my life after coming out of mono for eight months. And then the next day, I was at the kitchen table and my left leg gave out Mm -hmm. and went completely dead and numb and I couldn't stand up straight. And it was like this immediate, most people listening to this know, this immediate brain fog. I couldn't think of words. I was like immediately depressed Mm -hmm. and had zero energy with pain from head to toe. And I'm just like, how did I just go from being a top athlete in the country to not being able to walk or see straight? It was a really scary time, and I spent about six months missed at, or undiagnosed at that time. Yeah, I saw every world-renowned doctor there was at USC, and you know, did MRIs and CAT scans, and went through. You have a tumor. You have cancer. You know, you have a torn disc in your back. Like it could be all these things, but none of the tests were showing anything. And at that time, they weren't doing a lot of blood tests. There was no semblance of doing any stool samples or questions like, have you had mono? So I went six months basically bedridden. I couldn't do anything and finally saw a rheumatologist and the rheumatologist diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. So from 19, 20 years old up until 2017, which is, I would say like eight years, I lived with a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And for the first few years, I was on a ton of drugs. I think I had like nine bottles of pills and we were masking everything. So I was on painkillers, muscle relaxers, antidepressants, sleeping pills, and Lyrica, which is what they use for fibromyalgia. 
So I was totally numbed out. I was hallucinating. I was losing my shit. I was also trying to go out and party because I was so depressed and I was losing all my friends and my whole identity. So I was like trying to be fun. I don't even know, which was a really dangerous place to be. Yeah. Especially at such a young age and away from home and feeling super isolated. Mm -hmm. So after two years, I was 21. I got off all the medication because I realized this can't be my life or my future. And I went holistic. And for me at that time, it meant being vegan, vegetarian, trying things like that. I didn't drink for two years. And initially when I did that, I would feel um, definite improvements, but then it would almost get worse and Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure it out. And so in 2012, I found paleo. And then shortly thereafter, I found the autoimmune protocol. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really understood this concept of using food as medicine And I did the autoimmune protocol for a long time and it made a huge difference. And a lot of the inflammation went down. My energy got better. um, I wasn't in as much pain. My sleeping was improving. And so I tried to stick with that as long as I could. But in 2017, I still was very, very ill. And I was a TV host working crazy hours at Dodger Stadium and doing Lakers and um, working really late nights and anyone with chronic illness knows that's like the worst recipe and it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my body just kept shutting down and I was listening to a podcast and my girlfriend was talking about functional medicine and how it gets to the root cause of all of these problems. And I, I thought it was crazy that in all my time of advocating for myself and doing holistic medicine, I still had never heard of functional medicine. Yeah. So I did all this research and I ended up making an appointment with her doctor and he saved my life. Mm-hmm. So he got to the root. He realized that I didn't have fibromyalgia. I actually had Epstein-Barr virus and mm-hmm. my numbers were through the roof. And that being linked back, of course, to getting mono when I was 17. Yeah. And then chronic fatigue syndrome, severe leaky gut and SIBO. Mm-hmm. And so we did all the testing and started treating for the proper things. And I also added in Ayurveda at that time and then making the mind-body connection and working on stress and trauma and emotions that were impacting my health. And that package helped me heal over a year and a half. Yeah. Well, that's crazy how quickly, once you find the things that are really supportive of your body, how quickly it can change for you. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy that I spent so many years trying to treat myself. And I would like to give myself credit. I think it did a pretty damn good job not knowing much. Um, But it's, it truly is incredible when you just pick it apart and you see that, okay, you have eight different issues. They're definitely connected. Mm -hmm. Let's work on, for me, it was the SIBO. Let's get the SIBO out of your body first so that everything can calm down and then we can start repairing you back to health. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Our stories are really similar. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at 17 and saw 17 doctors in order to try to find that diagnosis and also had Epstein-Barr and mono when I was in like eighth grade. And it just, it it can be such um, a frustrating journey to try to find answers, but Mm -hmm. becoming your own advocate is a huge part of it. And I also took me, even though I was on this holistic health path for a while, and for me, like yoga was a gateway to like holistic medicine and still had never heard of functional medicine until finally something just dropped into one of my DMs one day. And I was like, thank God for you. Like I finally got all the tests that I needed to figure out the root cause of what was happening in my body. And similar to you, like saw huge shifts, especially with all the anxiety I was experiencing within a year, like so much changed. So 
all of these, these kind of physical healing modalities are so helpful and so transformational for us. But I'm curious to know, because you did bring up this like worthiness and the kind of type A perfectionism and being the athlete and everything, how much did the emotional impact you or was part of this as well? You know, it's funny. I think, I think it was everything. I think it was where this all began. I think it's the reason I got Epstein-Barr and to the severity I did. No one gets Epstein-Barr, I mean, no one gets mono for eight months. Like that's pretty unheard of. So your body already has to be so broken down at that point for that to happen. And I think that my whole life carrying this burden of trying to be this person and prove that I was worthy of love and acceptance, forced my whole body to shut down. And there were definitely red flags over and over and over again that I didn't pay attention to. Like I, as the competitor that I am, unless I was bleeding to death or dying, I was on that volleyball court, which meant I played through extreme pain and circumstances I never should have. Mm -hmm. And I stayed up all night doing homework and extra credit and student council and events. And, you know, trying to prepare to go to a top college and traveling three, four hours a day to practice and from practice in LA. And it was one thing after the next of me pushing my body so hard beyond its limits that I think allowed autoimmune disease to set in. On top of that, I truly believe, and I can't prove this, but this is how I feel, that at 19, I was in such an inauthentic relationship for me where I was trying to be this person that my body was finally like, you can't live like this anymore. Not only is volleyball not the path for you, but showing up in relationships or just in this world, the way you are pretending to be something and trying so hard is not the way you're going to live your life. It's not in alignment with your purpose, your passion, anything that's for you. And I think that God, I really, I really feel strongly that the emotional aspects of things is where it all begins. Yeah. Now I couldn't have worked through the emotional stuff had I not worked through the food stuff first, because right. you know, when you're so sick, you can't think clearly. Mm-hmm. And how are you supposed to work through emotional trauma and come to these conclusions when you are so tired and in pain and you can't even think straight? Like it just doesn't work. So I think that going to the food and using food as medicine and really healing your gut, which is what we all have to do with chronic illness, then gives you the space and the clarity to start to get to the root cause, which is the emotional stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned in your story too, shifting into being a TV host and then out of being a TV host. Can you talk a little bit about that? And did that career, I think everything in our life, so interrelated and complex and just kind of beautiful and divine timing. But I'm curious to know if that shift also had to do with like the emotional or spiritual journey that like chronic illness brought into your life. Yeah, for sure. So I had always wanted to be on TV and it was my dream since I was 10. And it's part of the reason why I went to USC and I was very fortunate to be hired by ESPN at 21 and I was on this fast track to fame and success in the television world, which looking back, it makes me laugh. But I thought that that's what was important was getting attention and validation because I lived for that. And as a 21 year old girl in TV, they tell you, you have to take every opportunity, say yes to every job, do all the things. And so I was just like, 
I was going for it in every way. I never said no to jobs. I did so many things, high school sports for a hundred dollars. And, you know, I just tried to make it work. And I became this person that lived for validation and likes. Mm. And I was not in my body. I was not present. I did not like myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel connected to the work I was doing. It was truly about, I am the hot chick. People tell me I'm hot this is what I offer the world. Yeah. It was never like, wow, I'm really smart or wow, I really am a, do a good job of making people feel comfortable in interviews or people tell me their deepest, darkest secrets and what a gift that is. I just like totally blacked all that out. Yeah. And I think again, over time, being in a toxic environment, working with men who did not necessarily treat me well and being this person that was not in alignment with me forced my body to shut down. So again, shut down again at the end of 2017, five months in bed, sleeping, no idea what I was going to do and decided not to go back because during that time I realized I have so much more to offer and being off of social media for that amount of time is a rude awakening. These days. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. I'm not a Dodger stadium with fans screaming my name and telling me how amazing I am. I'm not posting pictures in the studio of me in a cute outfit with everyone telling me how good I look. Mm -hmm. I have no external validation right now. And I feel like I'm not bringing any value to the world. And the only person that I was seeing was my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. It was so bad. And that's when I realized, holy shit, this is what my life is. This mm -hmm. is who I have allowed myself to become. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to start from scratch. And that's when I started getting in more into the personal development, reading books, looking at the mind-body connection, understanding the stress and anxiety and my severe control issues. Yeah. And I realized if I want to do this right, if I want to do this the way I want to do it, I have to start all over. And that's when I quit my job and I really started opening up to a spiritual um, world where I surrendered. Yeah, and I was not in control and I am more of the, the piece that serves rather than showing up out of alignment, trying to control every little thing to get my way on my path. That wasn't even for me anymore. Mm -hmm. you know, this is just coming intuitively to me right now, but it's, it's like, I, I, I see this in my own journey and many of the women I talk to as well, that we find this like deep gratitude for where we are, but it probably wouldn't have happened if we hadn't been through all that shit. Mm -hmm. And for me, like the immense struggle with chronic illness, numerous, multiple, multiple autoimmune diseases and yeah, a lot of like traumas and shit and challenges in my life that part of me looks back and go, Oh, well, geez, I should have just skipped all of that stuff and just gotten to here quicker. But I, when I honestly look at it, I go, no, that was what led me to here. That mm -hmm. was what was the catalyst for this. Do you feel that way with, with your process and journey? Yeah. You know, I'm going through an interesting thing right now. I've been crying a lot <laughs> and getting more connected spiritually. And I've done two ayahuasca retreats this year. And I've been working with different healers and mentors to help with my connection um, with the universe, with myself, with my guides. And so much of what I'm doing is shedding all this old stuff that no longer serves me. And this identity that I created that is no longer 
working, right? And so I, I separate myself into these two people, the old me and the new me. And I describe it as the new me is like kicking and thrashing and screaming. Like the amount of rage and anger that I am experiencing right now is so scary. Yeah. And I don't really recognize it because I've never been an angry person. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've definitely been a crier more over the last couple of years, but not angry. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, huh, like what is happening? And yeah. I talked to a girlfriend and she put it perfectly for me. She said, think about what you're doing right now. You are moving so fast through this development. You're doing everything right now, which is true. It's like a full-time job. (laughs) And as you know, and because I'm doing that, this old me, or if you want to call it my inner child is freaking the hell out. Mm -hmm. She's like, I don't feel safe. What are you doing to me? This isn't fair. Why are we changing? I don't understand what's going on. And I, she goes, you are literally dragging this girl by her hair up a mountain saying, I hate you. I resent you. Let's go. Like, I'm done with you. Yeah. And she was like, would you do that to your own child? Mm-hmm. I said, no. She's like, then why are you doing it to yourself? Mm-hmm. You are, I'm literally beating myself up every day, yelling at myself, mm-hmm. telling myself how much I sucked as a person that you need to fix, you need to change, you need to do all these things so that you can be better as a person, you can be better with your boyfriend, you're not worthy of him, you better fix this stuff. Mm. And it's like, yes, I want to let go of these patterns that don't work for me anymore. But even my boyfriend was like, I wish that you could see what I see. Mm. I love the person you are. And I love the person you were because because of her, you are this woman. Without her, you wouldn't be here. So it's like, how can I treat that old version of me with so much love and grace and bring her along and be like, girl, look what we're doing. Like, how amazing is this process? And we are doing it together. And thank you for going through all of this horrible stuff and this pain and carrying this immense burden for so long so that now we can be open and light and free and wild and live this life that we so want to live. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the inner child too, because I think there's a lot of just like dialogue and kind of reconciliation and just like nurturing that, that needs to be done with our inner child. If we are to create this new version of ourselves and we can choose to drag her by her hair or resent her or disown her, or we can like lovingly bring her along this path and like this excitement of the evolution of yourself and like, look who I'm becoming. Isn't this fucking cool? And like, there's a a different way to, I think, like look at it, but it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to actually look that little girl in the the face. I do this visualizations and meditations sometimes where I'm like literally looking this little, little Sarah small in the face. And I'm just like, I love the shit out of you. And I'm so sorry that some of this had to be this way, but look where we are today. And you are so strong and so resilient, like giving her this little pep talk that I didn't necessarily get from friends, family, like adult mentor figures in my life at that time that she really kind of needed. And so it's a lot of that inner child healing work. And so I'm curious, since we are on this topic of conversation, what other like methods or modalities have been most transformational for you in your healing process to start to redefine yourself and figure out like, 
I don't know if you would resonate with the word spiritual awakening, but like kind of going through this shift within yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such an amazing question. There's been quite a few things that I've used, like I call them my tools. And I think the first thing that really shifted things was journaling. Mm-hmm. I started journaling in December and it's something I put off for so long because yeah. I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to open up this can of worms. I know it's going to go there. I just, I knew it. I knew it in my gut. And of course I did it and I went there and here we are. <laughs> like, look, up, look at what comes up every single day. And yeah. journaling has been such a beautiful practice for me because it started out so dark. When I started it, I was going through a breakup. Something really hard had happened for me and I was just in shambles and I didn't know what to do. And so it was so much darkness just pouring out. But what I realized is I had to get that out of my body. I would never be able to move through this circumstance had I not released it. So I started seeing the power of that, of, wow, these thoughts are very dark and very scary and I got to get them out of my body. Mm -hmm. And so it became a daily practice for me. And as it's gone, I've definitely had days of like writing really dark stuff still, but what I've noticed is that it, it shifted pretty quickly into this concept of gratitude. Yeah. And then it became channeling. So channeling my guides and messages from them. And it's like, they're talking to me and coaching me. So it's almost like letters from them to me that I'm writing. And sometimes I write them and I don't even really remember what I wrote. And I'll look back and be like, dang, that is some good (laughs) advice. (laughs) And it's, it's a beautiful way to be very connected, to be with myself, to let go of the noise because I'm such a people pleaser or I have been, and I've listened to other people and done things for them this allows me to do things just for me and I can be as honest as I need to be and sometimes it's embarrassing the things I write or scary or you know extremely vulnerable Mm -hmm. but it's it's a practice for me with me that no one else sees and it's a way of getting very honest um the other things that have been really powerful I think because I'm so controlling I never let myself have fun And this idea of being wild and free is huge for me right now. And part of that is dancing. Like I will turn up the music and just dance in my apartment. Usually it's in the morning, my boyfriend's gone and I'm just journaling. And then I continue with my music and I'm just like making matcha and dancing around the house. And it's fun and it's free and it's playful and it's just so light. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that between the journaling and the quiet time and the dancing, I start my day as such a different person and the way I interact and show up for people. And I'm in a place of gratitude and peace rather Mm -hmm. than the old version of me was so intense and like, wake up, like go and so hardcore and so much in my masculine. This is allowing me to work into that softness and that feminine energy that I think I've desperately needed for so long. Um, and along with that is the sexuality piece. I was so shut down sexually my whole life. And I realized this year that being in my body and present and embracing my sexuality is my gateway for everything. It allows me to step into that feminine. It allows me to relinquish control. It allows me to let someone give to me, to be open to receiving. It allows for such a deep connection with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to be wild and try things and open and fun, things that I felt so much shame about and guilty and awkward. 
and I, I'm working through that now, but it's so crazy to be on the other side and see how suppressed that was in me mm-hmm. and that I didn't let myself go there because we're not taught how important that is. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's been, those are some of the biggest things for my healing and, and kind of what I'm going through as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really cool to talk about it as you are going through it because it's so just present in your life. And I resonate so deeply with the masculine energy being so overpowering that my feminine was wounded. She was shut into a box and she desperately wanted to come out and play and like, yeah, like be sexy and like dance and shake her hips and wear low cut tops. And it was just like, (laughs) I put her in a fucking box in the corner and I, there was shame. There was shame around body image, but there was also shame around wanting to play and not like working hard every second of every day, which is fucking exhausting now that I realize it's like, okay to not do that. But I'm curious about the process of releasing shame and learning how to surrender, which is in our feminine energy and what that has maybe looked like for you or what beliefs you had to get rid of in order to allow yourself to heal those, those wounded parts. And if you could just speak to that, I think there's probably a million different answers, but I'd love to hear it from your perspective. Yeah. God, you know, it is so layered. You're right. There's so much that goes into it. And that's why this process is so hard. And it's, it's like an onion. You're just peeling back one layer at a time. And sometimes I get so frustrated because I'm like, I just worked through something so intense and so powerful. And I just came up for air and I'm like, dive back in. Yeah. Let's go. And I'm like, no. (laughs) And that's how it feels with this piece for me. Like this shame piece around sexuality is so rooted like so many years ago that I'm like, all right, year one, let's move this out. Year two, now let's do this. And it started for me learning how to masturbate when I was five. And that's where my shame set in. And I didn't even know that until recently. And I remember, I don't know how I learned how to do it, but I did. I found it and, you know, I was like, very into it because who isn't? (laughs) Yeah. I went in and I showed my mom and she was like, my parents are amazing. I love them so much. They did their very, very best. But she was like, okay, so that's not something that we're going to do. And I don't remember how it ended, but I just remember her saying like, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I would also go into school in first grade and I would be sitting on the little carpet as the teacher's reading to us. And I would have my hand down my pants, touching myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was not appropriate. How are you supposed to know? Like what kid knows? Yeah. And she would be like, okay, that's not appropriate. You need to go to the bathroom if you need to deal with something. So I kept hearing these words of inappropriate at five years old. So I think my sexuality shut down then. And I think I kissed a boy when I was 14. I never quote unquote hooked up with guys. Even my, my boyfriend at 16, we never did anything. Yeah. And I ended up not losing my virginity until after high school. And it was in a very manipulative, difficult relationship where I was being controlled and wasn't allowed to do anything I wanted to do. So it was one lesson after the next of me not feeling free to express myself. I was never taught that pleasure is welcomed and open for women, that 
we get to have orgasms too, that we can be on top and touch ourselves mm -hmm. and that that is okay. Um, or that we can ask for what we want. Yeah. And so I didn't start asking for what I wanted probably until a year and a half ago. And it was very awkward and I was not good at it. And I didn't really enjoy sex until then either because it was, it was like, you know, it was fun, but it was about him mm -hmm. and I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I just felt a lot of shame around it. I would never touch myself with someone else. I would never admit that I touched myself. It was like masturbation was off the table. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't feel present in my body. And I think that for me, it's been around talking about it and admitting it. Yeah. Because I never admitted any of that until a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Because I keep having this idea that it's just me. Hmm. That I'm the fucked up one that has all the problems and is really weird. And every time I hear someone admit something and I'm like, wait, me too. And then I say it on my show or on an interview like this. And I get so many messages from other people who are like, wait, I thought it was just me. Yeah. And it's just this collective shame because none of us are ever taught. No one talks about it. And especially if you come from religious backgrounds and my, I was raised Catholic and you know, that always plays a huge part in it. And it's really been about conversations. And even with my boyfriend, just talking about like, Hey, I've never done this, or I'm curious about this, or this sounds fun, but I'm really scared. Can we try it? I need you to know where I'm coming from. This has been a shame for me in the past. He does the same with me. He's mm -hmm. worked through a lot of his sex shame and stuff with me in that way. Mm -hmm. And it's open dialogue and conversations so that you have context for where someone's coming from. Yeah. And know that it's okay to take it slow, to try things and to not shame them for it as they work through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That really speaks to the, the power of healing through sharing your story. Mm -hmm. And it's vulnerable as hell when you first put it down on maybe in your journal first. And then maybe, maybe like, I think most people it doesn't necessarily get past there, but some people do have that courage to then share it on a podcast or share it on social media or whatever. And there's still these jitters within your body of like, holy shit, did I just say that? Oh my God, did I just like confess this? Or like, did I share that? Yeah. But then when people start chiming in, whether it's behind the scenes or up front, and they start saying me too, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only person who ever experienced that. It's not only healing to express your truth in a just a vulnerable way, but it's also he healing to then have people say, Hey, you're not alone in this. And thank you so much for the courage that I'm sure it took for you to actually share that. Mm -hmm. It's just so, so powerful to see women out there. I mean, all people, but this community is mostly women and I speak to most women, but just who are, sharing their truth in a really honest, vulnerable way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, remember that it's not always going to be easy and it's a process. Like even this morning to be totally transparent with you, I was horny and I wanted to have sex with my boyfriend and he was sleeping and I came out and I journaled and I was like, I got to do it. <laughs> I go in there, which is so like not how I've ever been. And I just start like rubbing his back and I'm touching him and then immediately like end up going for it. And he says like in a joking way, but he was like, stop. And I was like, oh my God, immediate, like, <gasps> like shame in my yeah. chest. And I felt so awkward. And I was like, fine. And 
it, it, it was a whole thing that doesn't matter. But I felt shut down and I was like, that was stupid. Why'd you do that? Why'd you put yourself out there? Why'd you initiate? He doesn't want to have sex with you. You're stupid. And I like walked out and like closed the door pretty hard. Yeah. And he's like, are you mad at me? And I was like, yeah, because I wanted to have sex and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I thought you were just playing around. I didn't know you actually wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. And so then we got in a whole conversation around how he thought I was just being playful. He didn't want to know that I really wanted to have sex, like Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And so my words of encouragement, if you will, for anyone that like wants to put themselves out there and is working through that shame is just do it. It's going to be awkward sometimes. It's going to hurt. You're going to take it personally and you're going to have to work through it. You might cry mm-hmm. and that's okay, but continue to just break those boundaries for yourself because at the end of the day, it's all about practice and yeah. all about being open and whatever comes comes. But if you don't just take those first few steps, you're never going to know what it feels like on the other side. Right. I think it's important too, to like have that kind of captivating, enticing. Why? Like why keep practicing? Why keep doing it? It's like, because well, the, the alternative is continue doing what you're doing. And for many of us and people listening and like, that's uncomfortable. That doesn't feel good. So I don't want to stay there anymore. So my captivating why is probably like, well, I'm curious, but what is on the other side? I'm never going to find out unless I do experiment and step outside of my comfort zone and start to look at my inner child and my shadow. And like, she's going to come out with freaking claws sometimes and it's not going to be fun. And it's, it's going to rustle some other stuff up. Like you said, the onion, like there's layers to it, but the other side gets to be, it's so worth it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and we can say that now that like we've been doing the work, but I think the person who's just kind of like flirting with the idea of doing the work is like, is it really better on the other side? Is all this like vulnerability and like the claws coming out worth it? And like, yes, yes, it is so worth it to like go down this path. Yeah. Cause it's like you said, what you're doing right now is not working for you. And is this how you want to live your whole life? Like I imagine the majority of your listeners are relatively young Mm -hmm. and they have so much ahead of them in with themselves, sexually with partners in their career. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Don't you want to work through this stuff now so that you can open yourself up to all of the possibilities of what's available for you now? Mm -hmm. Because all that's going to happen is if you don't do it now, you're going to want to do it later and then you're going to regret it. And you're going to be like, why did I keep living like this? Yeah. Know that you are worthy and you deserve better right now in this moment as you are. Mm-hmm. And if you don't advocate for yourself, if you're not the one that comes to the table and is like, this is what I need. This is what I'm curious about. This is what I want to try. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah. And that is fucking power. We got to reclaim that power within us. Like we can choose to give it away and surrender it, but, and maybe you have, like, I know I have at some many points in my life. Right. But that doesn't mean we can't reclaim it and take it back for ourselves and then start standing and living and like living our life through that power again. Like we can always, always reclaim it. So I just, I love your message. I love your open, honest vulnerability. And I'd love for you to share with the audience, just like what your mission or message for the world is like what you want them to know. And then also how they can learn more and get involved with you. 
Yeah, I want women to know that they're their own healers and to step into their wild and to own their power and to know that there is freedom out there available to you. And we are all so stuck in our boxes for so long and we don't know what else is out there. And to be able to, whether it's using alternative methods of healing from chronic illness or sexual trauma or abandonment, things that have gone on in this life, in past lives, there are resources and options available for you to tap in to the person that you want to be and where you want to go. Um, And I'm so excited that there are podcasts like yours and conversations like this where we can have these open dialogues about things that are very hard that oftentimes you know, how, how many times have you wanted to talk about something and you're like, I don't know if I can talk to my girlfriend about this. This feels really awkward. But then you listen to a podcast and it feels like you're talking with your best friend who's giving you a pep talk. Who's like, girl, I got you. I know this is hard. I've been there. This is a really weird topic to talk about publicly, but we're going to do it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Listening to people like that and creating that community is the best thing that I've personally ever been a part of in my life. Um, And you asked about what we're creating. So I have an event coming up in October, on October 5th here in LA. It's called Ceremony Wellness Live. And it's basically what you and I just did, but an entire day of that. And it's panels and body work and cupping and acupuncture and conversations with functional doctors and Ayurvedic doctors talking about sexuality and personal development and manifestation and a very curated community so that people can come together and authentically connect because it's what I needed when I was extremely sick, a place where I could come in and not have to put on a show and feel like I had to network, but where people understood where I was Mm -hmm. and could meet me there and show me the way to healing and give me my, and help me understand my own power and give me permission to tap into that. So yeah. if anyone wants to join us, you can go to kellytenant.com slash live. And I would love to have anyone from your audience, including you. To yeah. join. Thank you so much. And I just want to make one more point, which is it's so easy to isolate yourself when the symptoms are exacerbated and when there is anxiety, when there is fear and when there is shame. And one of the mm-hmm. quickest, fastest solutions to that is to take action and to like yes. show up even though it is fucking scary to go to maybe an event like this when you're like, I'm an anxious person or I don't do well in crowds or whatever. And like, know that like your people are going to be there and to step outside of that isolation because the connection in itself is also so effing healing. It is. And that's why I actually, as a part of our team work um, on events like this, we have people that greet you at the door that will literally walk you through and introduce you to people and show you where things are and introduce you to practitioners or whatever that looks like so that you feel comfortable. Even if you come in alone, you're never going to be, be compelled to do what I did, which is stand in a corner alone and feel like you don't belong. I want everyone to feel like they're so welcome and invited to participate however they would like to. Mm, okay. I want to come. Yes, please. <laughs> Plus I just love any excuse to visit LA. So. I know. I know. I will gladly have you. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Kelly. I so appreciate your time and all of your honest truth and wisdom. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you. I hope you loved today's episode. 
do you remember last week my fiance jumped on? He asked for you to go onto iTunes and leave me an honest review and feedback. Well, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know what, Sarah? Stop trying to be perfect. Stop being all weird about asking for help and asking in this case for people's support and love and just go do one take. Don't fuck it up. (laughs) If you do, there's no re-recording. So this is set one. This is take one. I'm not redoing it this time. And I just want to say I love you all so much. I, I, I'm so honored and thankful for this community that has been created around both the Empowered Empath, which you guys, if you've been here since the beginning, evolved from Autoimmune Tribe, as well as a podcast community of Healing Uncensored. You guys are fucking rock stars. And every time I hear from you in my inbox, it's just... It's so amazing that the caliber of women, the strength of these women, gosh, and your stories are just so incredible. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. And if you ever have any requests for topics of conversations or guests that you think would be perfect for the show, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can always email me, Sarah at autoimmunetribe.com or you know if you're on my Instagram, I'm always hanging out on Instagram stories and very available via DMs. I think it's funny sometimes because people are like, oh my god, you answered. And it's like, yeah, there's 30,000 plus of you, but every single one of you means the exact same to me. So I, of course, respond to everyone's sharing questions, pointing you in the direction of resources. And that's my mission here. My mission here is to be the guide, the facilitator, the advocate for other women who are in the place that I was once in. And I know how alone that can feel. I know how isolating that can feel. And I want nothing, nothing more to just be able to help people with the things that I've learned through my own healing process and building, building my own business and being an empath, being an entrepreneur, binding those things together and realizing, Hey, it takes a different approach than many, many think. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. This is the end of take one and I'm not going to do it again. And I would appreciate if you could all take a couple minutes at the end of this show, just pop over to iTunes and leave some feedback. Love you all so, so much. Bye.